Vingegaard coming round Kemner. Vingegaard. Actually, that's not quite how. Oh, it doesn't matter. Vingegaard. No, Kemner. Well, the end of Vingegaard coming round Kemner on the right. Vingegaard. He's putting Pogacar into difficulties, but the yellow jersey's digging in. He's got him in his sights. He's got him in his sights. He's reeling him in. And now surely he's going to sprint past him. Vingegaard looks up, sees the yellow jersey come past. And Pogacar wins two out of two in the yellow jersey this time and extends his lead in the Tour de France, which is a race around France held annually over three weeks. And now we're in the Vosges Mountains, which we like, don't we? We do. That was a good day. That really was a good, good day. day. We really rode up day. Le Planche de Bolfi this morning. Yeah, well, you, you and I did. Don't yeah, you, oh, we did. No, you, oh, no that's people. a tale. You've got a tale about your little adventure on a bicycle up to Planche de Bolfi today because you had to do some filming, didn't you, Pete? Yeah. Uh, where are you going with this? Other than the fact that I did a bit of film, well, filming. Well, pro- the producer said, Pete, get out there, do a little bit of filming. Oh, yeah. Your little guide to the final, you know, So few, this is um, a 20-second clip that's used for the highlight show. I'm sure it's longer than 20 seconds. If it's good enough. And I, 30 I or reckon 40. it took me about an hour and a half. Yeah, that's telly. So my first attempt was zone technique is massive, isn't it, to be fair? Yep, yep. Through the kilometre to go. Um, and I thought that was the finish. Yep. So I did my bit. And I was like, it feels really short. I, I said, it's a short clip. Uh, the, I ran out of road before I got stopped by the police yeah. and with 100 metres to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it's good. Really good. Really good content. Yeah. Uh, but, your, but your editorially, your take was, this isn't quite as hard as you might think. It's shorter and not quite as severe. That was basically with the conclusion you reached, yeah? Yeah. And then mm. turns out I, what? Well, then I had to do the link to my piece, which is two camera. So we then left the zone technique on the other side of it. And then I realised, and also I mentioned, and there's no gravel this year. There's no gravel. <laughs> That's the biggest difference between 2019. There's no gravel. It's just tarmac. Um, blah, 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 blah. And then I did my piece of camera um, out of the other side of the zone technique, which is where all the buses and trucks are, uh, where we all work during the Tour de France. And then I realised, oh, there is gravel. And, and, it an, is and there's another kilometre. And there's another kilometre to go. Yeah. And then I had to do it all again, basically. So that went well. <laughs> That's high good. pressure this little new role I've got Trial after learning a lot yeah but that's fair enough it is a really hard climb though we kind of underestimate it because it kind of we were talking about this in commentary now yeah about how on the profile of the Tour de France you have all these huge mountains in the Alps and Pyrenees and it almost seems like a footnote yeah Le Planche de because it looks small in comparison yes and it's early on but it always plays such a pivotal part in the Tour de France and I think what I'd and, and you pointed out quite rightly that it's that with the exception of the individual time trial where it was on stage 20 it's always towards the end of the first week yeah geographically that True. works yeah. so if you're, you're you know and also in terms of the structure of the race that's where to put it isn't it yeah, yeah. it's the first little kind of marker how's everyone going on the big and climbs? the nature of the climb is a really good form indicator because yeah. you can't hide or get away with sitting on the wheels because it's that steep that you just have to go. It's like a ramp test. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first time it was raced was in 2012 when Chris Froome won the stage and Bradley Wiggins went into yellow. And actually, given your contention a few podcast episodes ago that Froome should have, would have, could have won that Tour de France. Could have joined that, Club that was Five. A, that, was a form, that was a form guide. That would be borne out by that, wouldn't it? True, really? actually, yeah. yeah. Mm. There you go. Mm. Yeah, learn something new every day. Yeah, Planche you... de Balfi form form guide. And again, it was raced in 2014, and Vincenzo Nibali exactly. won the stage, won the race. 
Um, the only anomaly is 2017 when Fabio Aru won. Yeah, but he, he was, was still, just an anomaly. Full stop. He was still, yeah, he was, and he was Aru. still good in that year's yeah. Tour de France. He's very mm. good. Yeah, because mm. he'd won the Vuelta the year before or something, or the Winter oh, that, year, that year he won it yeah. that year. And um, in 2019, Dylan turned 2090. Dylan, 2019. <laughs> what will the Tour de France look like? The breakaway. The only time years. the breakaway made it to the finish line, wasn't it, so far? Dylan Turns and Giulio Ciccone. Yeah. Although it nearly happened today for all Lenny Kemner. Oh, so Leonard. close. Not so close. That was Rafa Mika's fault. Because he went so hard on where you thought the finish line was, Pete. Yeah. And then I heard on your um, post-race analysis, I think, you were talking about Mika when he was pulled off and was just waving through. Uh, it's what? all just a bit bizarre, isn't it? The yeah. way UAE... the well, the domestics are are acting quite maybe. immature and mm. well, maybe not. I don't know. Immature is the right word, but you know, there's a lot of emotions mm. um, going through the, the UAE camp, isn't there? They had a shocker of a day because even before what, they started, won the, they won the stage. Okay, he saved it. Tony Pogacar always saves uh, it, but as a team, it's okay. it is a point of interest. They are having all mechanicals at the beginning. Like three yeah. riders had mechanicals. I think it was Pogacar. McNulty and, and Soler. David. Bennett? Just Bennett, Bennett, you're Bennett. right. Briefly interrupt. Yeah. Can you imagine the amount of trouble I would have got in if I'd have waved Chris Froome through? Like you'd that? already have tweeted something about it. With a kilometre to go? Yeah, you'd have It wouldn't trouble. have gone down well, would it? No, no, it wouldn't. All. It's kind of... But, but this team, that's what... It's quite... Oh, but hang on. I, I'm, I, I would suggest... I, I have no reason... I have no evidence for this. don't know the gentleman in question. You know Rafa Mika. Yeah. No, none of us know Tade Pogaccia. But I... Do get the impression that those two are joined at the hip. I think they really get, they get on really well. well this is what you know, I mean. with the whole rock paper scissors yeah, thing. It's not like Taurus that Slovenia. at all. So I don't think I no. think that was fine. I think I was just. But the only thing I would say about that was it it, it does smack of kind of like exuberant self confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. As a team, and and there's a bit of Pogaccia that is a bit like that. Funnily yeah, enough, when he true. when yeah. he speaks. When he speaks, he's very humble, isn't he? And today, yeah. at the finish line, he said, Jonas Vingegaard is the best climber in the world at the yeah. moment. Although I beat him. And on the bike, he's quite different, isn't he? <laughs> and on the bike, and in every other respect, he is a little bit... I mean, is cocky too too strong a word? I mean, you can't... If you're, if you're confident. that good... Yeah, you can't be There's a fine quiet. line between confidence and arrogance. Mm. And that's where you've got to dip in the humility. Because it's the humility that kind of balances it out. And, and that's what he yeah. does with his post-face interviews, isn't it? Yeah, he gets, that, he gets that mix and he, really And well. he is... Yeah. He's got all the results and to back... He's yes. cocking us off, hasn't he? At the end he of the does. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. But they did. A, I mean, they they did a good ride because obviously they didn't with the breakaway that was gone, which is a strong breakaway. Mm-hmm. There were good very riders strong. in oh, there. Very strong. Aviti. Yeah, and Chikoni was in there again. Twins. Chikoni, yeah. The, Mads, the riders who Mads had Pedersen. Mads yeah. Pedersen, and you had the two bot Shackman Durbridge Durbo Durbo yeah. Durbo. Yeah, it was a, a really strong break, and you had Shackman, who was the best place on GC at two minutes something, and the next best, best, best place was Kemner. No real threat, but UAE decided to kind of control it. Yeah. You know, they really did kind of control it to a degree where... Well, once they sorted out their tactics, because yeah. I mean, the, the problem was the, the scratchy tactics they used today was they sent one rider in the break, which is a perfectly legitimate, nor- normal. quite normal tactic. But what was not normal was to send the wrong rider in the break. So they got, you know, yeah. they got completely the wrong rider up the road. They yeah. got, they got yeah. sticker Lingen. I don't see the point in that at all. Bora Hansgrohe, conversely, got the, absolutely the two best riders up the road that they could have done for Alexander Vlasov, who then collapsed on the final climb. Yeah. That's another story. Um, so then, and then that's when it all started to get really weird for UAE Team Emirates, because 
at the point where they started squabbling amongst one another, or that's what it seemed to be, um, both Mark Hirschi, who continues to be um, sadly underwhelming in this race, and George Bennett, who subsequently rode pretty well, actually. But in the end, yeah. In the end. But at that point in the race, they were nowhere near the front for whatever reason. No. So they had reduced numbers. They had a rider off the front, had two riders who weren't present. And that, it was at that point where, that Mark Soler was basically told by Rafa Maika to get on the front and do a turn. And Mark Soler thinks, why am I doing this? So 65 yeah. kilometers out on the flat. He wasn't brought onto the team to do that. That's not me. No. I so he, got, he, got, he just got all a bit Netflixy, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, that is his yeah. character. You sign Soler, <laughs> you know you're going to get that. Yeah. It's the amount of times we've seen it. Yeah. But I agree. I mean, he was signed on probably decent money as a luxurious domestique for the epic moments. And he finds himself riding on the flat. Do you yes. think the riders have, like, subconsciously aware of Netflix and the fact they're here yeah, that's a and really it's affecting point. the way well, some of them are in carrying, any way shape or form the way they are microphones and kits and stuff yeah. aren't they and, you know I don't know yeah. I mean UAE have, have well, are not part ask, of that we could ask oh, no, that's true that's yeah. true so that's just class yeah that's just pure solid yeah we could ask a rider who's had a documentary made about him in oh, the that's peloton a good idea David Miller oh me yeah. What about? Oh, whether you, oh, whether you act when you were, they were making a film oh, about yeah. you, whether well, or not you behaved differently when you knew that you had a flipping great film camera and a microphone following you. I would have loved to have been able to actually get to the front of the race, but what I'd have loved to have done was race well, and I couldn't because I was crap in that final year, most of it, apart from the Nationals peak. Well, that was a year before. I was crap even there. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't crap No, no, no yeah. Um, when, by the way, we're talking about Time Trial, the film that is yeah. presumably still available to yeah, download and watch. Be somewhere. Kind of, yeah. um, <laughs> yes and no, because I was wearing a microphone. So kind of we, we had kind of spoke to UCI and were the first people to get authorization for onboard cameras, had microphone. You do change your behavior because you're talking to people and you realize, and I had to tell people I've um, got a microphone on. And... The only thing I wanted to do, which would have been cool, would be to race well, but I couldn't. Yeah. So I guess if I if I'd been strong enough, it would have motivated my racing. Like okay. for example, when I was a kid, it's or when you're a kid and you're BMXing or skating or mountain biking, if somebody's got a camera and is going to video it or take a picture, you're going to try harder. Oh yeah, every time. Yeah, yeah. you'll take the risks. At least it's going to be chronicled if you succeed or you crash. <laughs> and so I suppose it's a bit like that. And I think everyone, the majority of people, react like that. And that might be one of the reasons that UAE didn't do it, because they didn't want any sort of affected change behaviour. Yeah. So, it's. But yeah, I think that is a fact you have to take into account. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, they. The great thing is when you have a leader like Pogacar, it kind of brushes over those things. But it's still two more weeks. Yeah. 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 Oh, hang on. So, hello. We got a phone call, Tom. Hello. Hello, Tom. You're on the podcast. Tom Pidcock joins Never Stray's car with uh, David Miller and uh, Pete Kenyuk here as well. How are you, Tom? I'm, I'm not bad, yeah. I'm having uh, a massage, so how yeah, are you? it could be worse. What, oh, on, the, what, on the bus? On, are you on the bus having a massage? Oh, oh you, you're, you're breaking up there. Oh, can you, can you hear me now, Tom? This is my fear. Yeah, what's the, what's the podcast called? In the car or something? Never strays. <laughs> Tom, it's quite complicated. It's called Never Strays Car. Because we used to have a podcast right, so called Never Strays have Far. Some connection issues in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's really rough. But can you hear me, Tom? Now. 
no. no. I can now, yeah. Yeah, okay. Should we pull in? Yeah, pull let's in. just pull over if we can. Yeah. I'm going to ask Gary if we can just pull over and get a solid connection then. Yeah. Tom's obviously driving. Yeah, but, we're, um, we have no rush. Hey, Tom, it's David. Can you hear me? Hello. How are you? Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Ah, uh, we've got um minimal signal, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully it'll start to work now. Now that we st- we're standing still. Yeah, yeah. Tom, how was your race? No. Um, yeah, not bad. It was all right. I mean, kind of the idea today was for me to kind of explore myself on this final climb. I think I did a pretty good climb. Um. Yeah, all things considering, it's not like I've prepared for months to, yeah, ride the GC here. So, um, yeah, it was, it was not bad. Tom, it's been kind of phenomenal because we watch the stage every day, kind of basically from start to finish. And you're ever present. And that's no mean feat at the Tour de France. What's it been like? Is it Does it feel like a different race when you're here? It's very, very different. I mean, first of all, well, what everyone told me was the stress kind of tension. Um, and then, you know, they kind of expressed it faster than any other race. But that didn't really, in my head, equate to being harder. But like, for example, yesterday after the, I was kind of moving a bit, trying to get in the break at the start. And once the break went, Man, I was I was nailed, and uh, I think I mean, I've come to realise that in the tour, like when you get to crucial points, it's not like how good do you, like do you still feel good? It's how not bad do you feel, and that's kind of a a new thing. Like in the classics, when it comes to the crucial point, generally, you know, you're ready to go. You've not done much so far. But, uh, yeah, this is a bit faster and harder. Yeah, I think, hey, Tom, it's Pete. Um, like, I can relate to that in a way that anyway. when I used to race, you're right, um, and the file at the end of the day, when Tim Kerrison was still at Team Sky, he'd be like, oh, it looked like an easy day today, Pete. And I'd just look at him and go, mate, it was the complete opposite. Even though, like, maybe the watts aren't, like, through the roof, but... Because it was so stressful yeah, yeah. and so tiring and like there's just a constant pressure of like even the fans on the side of the road or like everything happens earlier in the tour, doesn't it? So the racing starts earlier, the pressure to be at the front, I think, adds up a lot. Um, but yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know if it says more about me than you, which I found really impressive is when I did the tour, my first tour in 2013, I started it and I was like, hmm, you never know, I could get in the white jersey, which is ridiculous because like Quintana was there and all these guys <laughs> um, but I thought you never know and um but for me it's like I got to the point in that tour where I was just wanted to do my job and then if that was good then I was happy but I think what's been great watching you is you're doing a job and you're still getting involved in the bike racing um which has been great to see yeah I th- I think uh well, I'm, I'm here, here to learn and gain experience and all that. But for me, like just doing that and doing a job, it doesn't like satisfy me in yeah. a way. Like yeah. I don't get the satisfaction from it. So I kind of have to race as well to, to enjoy it and 
kind of motivate yeah, yourself, I guess. So that's what I've, I've been doing, yeah. Quickly, Tom. Um, so, and this comes from when I did this Wahoo documentary um, with Rawley. He was calling you Pidders yeah. on the Alaman for about three days, and I had absolutely no idea who he was talking about because it was like quite out of context. <laughs> and then Ned dropped in like Pidders on day one, yeah, I think. Well, and so- I was like, I knew because I. I'd heard it before and I'd been through the story. But what I'm trying to get at is, is that your nickname or is that, like, do I, does anyone else call you Pidders? Or is that just yeah, like... Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, it oh, okay. is. There we go, that's fine. Then. Legitimized it. Yeah, Luke, Luke calls me Pidders. Oh, okay. There we go. Okay. Oh, it's official then. All right, okay. In that case, Tom, are you happy with being called Pidders? Because not everybody, when they get a nickname, likes their nickname. Is it okay with you, Pidders? Yeah, okay. I don't mind it. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Because you probably should explain to the podcast listeners that um, when you sent me a WhatsApp message, oh, this is c- good, confirming today. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, actually, let's give a bit of background to this. Well, uh, well, you I, you sent me a WhatsApp message confirming that you were happy to do this um, interview, and I that David and Pete were somewhere else, so I screenshotted it, and I was going to send it to our WhatsApp group, and I just sent it straight back to you with the little caption Pidders. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was terribly embarrassed. Some, someone had told me that. Uh, oh, did I see a tweet? Maybe <laughs> that uh, you guys were calling me pitters on TV. <laughs> no, not on TV. So already, already, we are professional. Yeah, but yeah. Tom, what's yeah. great about that is it's like the equivalent of when you've got a group of mates at home and you like screenshot the message from a girl you're trying to get into. And it's like, oh, look who's messaged me back. No, don't, I mean, back in the day, I'm married and got kids now. Yeah. No, back in the, when you're, when you're young, and then you send it to the girl. And that, for me, was like, what Ned did to you. Yeah. Brilliant. Tom, there's it, something that I kind of think which is is pretty phenomenal about your trajectory so far. I think we've only met once, and it was on a podium at the Tour of Yorkshire back in the day. And I was just... Yeah, I remember, yeah. Yeah, and... I kind of remember just thinking you looked like a little indie rock star and I was, you, you just looked so different. And, and then just kind of watching, there's a few things which I don't think people can comprehend is when you nearly, well, still arguable whether Walt beat you at Amstel. But then last year at the mountain bike. Very arguable. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think you got that. But, um, which is nuts. The, because the, the was, best thing is the guy on the, on the podium here keeps saying, do the um whatever Amstel Gold race? I, I told him today to stop saying it. <laughs> hey, actually, D- David, can I interrupt? Yeah. Talking about Wout, um, yesterday's race, Tom, with, with all that chaos and Wout on that big mission, there was one. Yeah. There was one of the early moves that you were in and that Wout was animating. And I just noticed, or I thought I saw him hit the front when it was stalling slightly, and he looked at you and he just nodded and he said, come on, you and me. It, that's what it looked like. Was there that little moment then? Um, You're not sure? Possib- possibly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I remember. And then we went downhill. And then yes, 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 yes exactly that, up. exactly that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, po- yeah possibly, yeah. Well, what was he on? He, he was what was he, going he was just riding too fast. <laughs> <laughs> you gave some great quotes at the finish line yesterday about Wout van Aert that have gone a bit viral as well. Yeah, I got a, I got a bit, I got a bit told off. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, mate, I've, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. We've all done it. Off. No, it was a great interview, and it was, it was, it was honest. I said uh, afterwards, it's what the whole peloton would have been thinking, and you just expressed it. <laughs> so it was great. Uh, but what I was just getting to was the, the difference between last year at uh, the Olympics. I didn't, wasn't really watching anything, 
but the mountain bike race was the one thing that I, with my, my old, eldest son, who's 10, Archie, we sat down and watched. And because I was expecting the Matthew Vanderpool kind of, uh, absolute death match between you and him. And then he made that awful mistake. And then you just mm. rode this race that I sat there with Archie and I was saying, this is somebody in pure flow. And because it just looked so effortless. Was it, were you in this kind of ultimate state of flow that day? Yeah. I mean, like the, it, it's so high pressure and like the, the stakes are kind of so high. Like it's like I was in such good shape going into it. Like I knew that if I could take control and just manage everything and, and just keep everything 95%, then that was the, like kind of the best chance of nothing going wrong because I knew kind of with that shape I had, like if all went well, I could be Olympic champion. So, you know, when I got the lead, it was just like, you know, make the difference in certain points, but take it easy on the downhills. Don't go, don't go, too hard so you can't concentrate hard enough and make any mistakes and it was just kind of yeah one of those days where i was well floating but obviously going full gas floating but do you get any do you think you get any respects in the peloton for being the gold medalist olympic gold medalist in mountain bike or is it just treated as just a totally different discipline um i'm not sure i think it it uh, it kind of adds to my name a bit. I mean, you know, if I'm trying to get in a break or something, you know, people kind of know who I am, follow me and mark me. And I kind of noticed that, um, you know, because actually at the end of the day, I've only won one or two road races um, with the pros. So, yeah, cool. I think um, it, it does. Sorry. Yeah, I'll do a bit. Yeah, um, for me, Tom, I started working with Trinity Racing, which is the team that you effectively came up through, isn't it, with Andrew McQuaid yeah. this year. So I've yeah, been yeah, going yeah. to a few mountain bike races, and it's like, even though I've had a career on the road and the track, once I went to a few mountain bike races, I was like, I can't believe this whole different world exists that I've never experienced. But the one thing that I've always thought about when I'm watching even mountain biking or cycle cross is like how much, how, in terms of like your technical ability on the bike and the peloton, does that help or is it so completely different that it doesn't help? I mean, obviously you're more natural on the bike and, you know, making split decisions because of mountain biking, but does, does it help you think for the younger guys coming up through to have that background of mountain biking and cycle cross? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, when you're, I think especially when you're younger, if you have the, you know, if you grow up from being young, riding off road and just kind of becoming like riding a bike is kind of second nature to you. That makes a massive difference. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, you just are more adaptive and comfortable to all situations and also the biggest thing i notice is like my 
subconscious reaction to things like if there's a crush. Yeah. Like I can react and avoid crushes so much better than some of the riders in the peloton. It's yeah, and that for sure comes from off road. Like when things go wrong, you you have to correct it before you've even been able to acknowledge that something's gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. All right, listen, Tom, we're going to let you go. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy enjoy the rest of your massage and your journey. I bet you pro riders, you never have the faintest idea where you're going, do you? Where are you now going to, Tom? Well, I'm, I'm, we're at the hotel. I'm, oh, you're I'm actually no at the hotel. Oh, yeah, I, I wondered whether you were having the massage on the bus and that was never going to happen, was it? You're at the hotel. <laughs> We've got two and a half hours or something like that still to drive. So we'll let you go. And, um, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, finish the finish. end of tomorrow's day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we go to the finish. So, Tom, this is where I went wrong when I first started working on TV in Brussels. So, and Gaza, Gary Beckett, who worked for EF for however many years, I wake up, I'm like, walk outside to Gary in the car waiting for me. Right, let's go to the start. Get to the start. Literally on air in about four minutes. <laughs> And, I, and then someone rings Gary and he's like, where are you? And we're like, we're at the start. And then he's like, <laughs> supposed to be at the finish. yeah, you need to get to the finish. I, I looked at Gary and I was like, where's the finish? <laughs> so we go from finish to finish. So, yeah, yeah it's chaos. Right, but yeah. Th- thanks. Good luck for the rest of the race, yeah. mate. Thanks so much, Tom. Hopefully, you. hopefully you'll win a stage. Yeah, well, right. I hope so too. Yeah. Cheers, Tom. Take thanks, care. Mate. Thanks, mate. Bye, bye, bye. Bye. That was Tom Pidcock. We got there in the end with the connection, didn't we, and all that? Yeah. So I've known, I mean, you, you guys, David, you mentioned that you once briefly met him yeah. on a podium at the, just mm-hmm. before the Tour de Yorkshire, right? Yes, I think the last exactly. edition it was of a presentation. the presentation. Yeah, yeah, you and yeah. I had to do some nonsense on stage, yeah. didn't we? And, uh, and, um, and you've never met him, Pete. Uh, is- I actually did the Worlds in Norway. Right. Was it Ber- Bergen? Sorry, I'm getting all that buzzing phone thing. I'm just going to turn my phone was off. It the, was it Bergen? The- Bergen, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was doing the Elite Worlds and he was doing the under 23. I think he might have won the time trailer. But we never really crossed paths. Yes, he was, yes, he's a really interesting character because, I mean, you hear he that. He came it, across very. He's, but that's that's why I think it's so contradictory with Tom because he's such an explosive, yeah. colourful character on the bike. A really thoughtful. Really considered really thoughtful, thoughtful off man. the bike. Yeah, really And, you know, there's these, he doesn't drink coffee. You know, it's like he kind of, he's just such a kind of brilliant sort of. It's such a incredibly controlled athlete and human off yeah. the bike, and then on the bike, it, he's doing stuff. Like mm. you see him kind of on Instagram and different things, doing these wild things on mountain bikes, and basically, well, hey, he is a sorry. Red Bull athlete. Wait, is your phone anywhere near your cable? Sorry, I think that might be it. Yeah, yeah. That's and uh, it. That's so, it. so it's really interesting to hear him. Thanks. That's the first time I've actually had a conversation here. Just how yeah. you, he really does can think about. Everything oh, before he so speaks. much. I mean, yeah. and that, and also what was really telling for me is he's even thinking about a stage win. Oh, well, yeah. Didn't really and he's out, here for he? a GC, like, you know, <laughs> didn't really, a yeah, GC yeah. team, as a, you could say, to get experience and be a support rider. And he's actually like, well, yeah. But the, I thought, for me, you know, I thought it was a really interesting interview, but I thought that one of the most revealing sort of comments came quite early on in the chat with Tom there, where he said, well, I think you were asking him, Peter, about being in the race, you know, being here to to do a job but also and he said yeah i can't i can't operate any other way yeah actually yeah I, yeah and that's it him. doesn't motivate well, him to, and also to just do his job you know, like he's he's a he's a he's guy a winner, he's, he's a guy who's grown up you know he really came to everyone's attention because he because he's in cyclocross world which is a cra- and mountain biking crazy one-hour efforts and mm-hmm. it's all action isn't it and so it's a really kind of interesting yeah. transition he's trying to make here can you imagine going up to the 
at your first Tour de France to the speaker, the presence, because whenever you go to sign on, you're yeah. introduced by the speaker on a yeah. loudspeaker, yeah. crowds everywhere. Yeah. And he's gone up to him quietly and said, don't, don't mention that, that race. Yeah. Huh. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, second it and still for most people. That's just, yeah, oh, that's status. Imagine. That's Palmares. Love yeah. it. And he's like, don't mention it. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. chapeau. All yeah. right. Good on you, Tom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. They've got a weapon on their hands in yeah. us, in yeah. Tom Pidcock. He, he, he truly is one of the most exciting bike races to watch. And you were asking Pete regards kind of people who listen to this have kids into cycling or children into it and bring them through the ranks and what to do. And that's one of the reasons I got Archie. I wanted to sit down and watch the mountain bike race last year because I was like, watch this. This is cool yeah. bike racing. Yeah. And this is a cool athlete. I think if we're talking yeah. about sport and cycling quickly, then I think also mountain biking and cyclocross is great yeah. to get into for your kids at a young mm. age because it's the environment so much more relaxed. Yep, completely agree. It's just a great scene. So. Com- completely and agree. it's proven now that actually it's probably the best thing to do at that age. Yeah, yeah it's a value add. Yeah. yeah Pete, sure. <coughs> Pete, great news about the wheelie bin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Splendid news. I mean, this is the best news, isn't it? Well, the power of Twitter, eh? So, what, have, you, have you had a new bin, or is the old so, bin come back? Uh, the commissioners on the Isle of Man. Still love the commissioners. I think oh, it's still oh, good. It's brilliant. And the fact, I learned like Star last night, Trek. you contemplated becoming a commissioner. This was, like, <laughs> Pete Kenyuk nearly had a career in local politics. No, no, quite okay. far from it. But, well, well I... Right, right. <laughs> right. Here we go. Laxey. So it's Garth, it's called, which is Laxey and Douglas. Uh, Laxey and Onken, which okay. is the next village. Right. Um, and obviously we get the commissioners coming to the door. Every, every year there's a vote to say what they're going to do, how they're going to change things, what differences they're going to make. And me and Lauren have lived in Laxey for six years now. Love it. Know all the people. Know everyone who goes to the school. Have a real understanding for the village. And there's certain things that I would like to change or introduce to Laxey. And I said to Lauren, I wonder what is involved in being a commissioner. In being a commissioner. Which is like, basically like a local councillor or yeah. an element. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so with all that said, the commissioners, <laughs> the commissioner of Garth, yeah. which is Laxey and Onken, uh, seen the tweet and they replied to Twitter or my wife saying a new wheelie bin will be delivered See, tomorrow morning. Mm. Um, See, I've got problems with that. I think it's borderline corrupt. Why? Well, the, I reckon there's a no, I, no, no, no. I think there's corrupt. a big. I think there's a big good wheelie bin wheelie bin waiting list. So my big question in, is, um, oh, okay. you know, replacement waiting list, and you just by the power of your celebrity, the True. power of the pod, you've just jumped the queue. And then yeah. I also have this this you debate know? in my head now. It's like, yeah, I've got my wheelie bin back, but the the unsolved matter is who took it. Yeah. So do I still? Go and yeah, do the I don't think around. you should let that go. I don't think so either. No, no, no. No. First thing I'm doing when I get, like I said to Lauren, don't ever mention it on the pod. They've got to the end of the tour to <laughs> give me it back, and then I'm going one by one around uh, the houses. Talking about got till the end of the tour. Can yeah. we just remind people they've got to the end of the tour if they want if they've oh, yeah, already yes. if they've already bought tickets for Ritor de Ned for my autumn show or are going to buy tickets or a ticket, then all they need to do is is email at office. Uh, no, office, <laughs> office at theroadbook.co.uk with evidence that you have bought a ticket and then you're in the b- big prize draw three times. Um, we're going to draw prizes uh, before the end of the tour for a bunch of your stuff. Yeah, Pete. T-shirt and a yeah, bunch of chapter three stuff. Chapter three stuff and a roadbook goodie bag and a load of stuff from Muckoff as well. So t- that's before and the, the roadbook is addictive, by the way. 
because one's on the bookshelf of a few years connectors. Do you know what? It's I, really hard to Do you know sort. what? For fairly obvious reasons, I couldn't. I don't lug them around. We've done four editions. Yeah, yeah they're heavy. <laughs> so I'm not taking them on tour with me. But today, um, when Julia Ciccone and Dylan Toons got in the breakaway... Oh, you could have just flicked through. No, no, I, I emailed the office and I said, can you pick one off? Can you pick the 2019 edition off the shelf? Can you photograph the page of information on the right-hand side that has details exactly who was in the breakaway that day? Because I wanted to know if any of the other riders who were in the break... That uh, today we're in the break in oh, 2019. Right, yeah. You should Over explain a bit, uh, again, because we've got quite a lot of new listeners now. Yep. What the road book is? Oh, it's, a, it's like wisdom for cycling. People aren't going to send that either. Yeah, they will. Year, they will. They, they, they know. It's like, it's a complete record, 950 page roughly record, printed on beautiful paper, beautifully bound with illustrations, essays, all sorts of things of everything that happened in each road racing season, including these days. And this is relevant to what you were saying, the cyclocross season. So we ran that up as well in the winter. So. And including and, quotes and, and, and from And there's a really extraordinary, yeah, in the winner's words from riders like Gilbert and Voss and Van Fluten. Um, and, and, um, and a really fascinating, it sounds morbid, but it isn't. But every uh, year we produce a, a, you know, page after page of obituaries for people who've passed away who were major influences one way or another in the world of cycling. Mm. That's the robot. Um, we, we're almost running out of time. It's quite a long pod because Tom, we, he said, "How long would it take?" Five or ten minutes. I think it's about twenty minutes. We oh, had yeah, mm. So, um, so I don't know if we've got anything else to say other than uh, we've co- have we covered the re- covered the race. Not really. We haven't really, have we? Well, we did. We no. did, did do the. F- no, we, we did cover the final. No, I think we have. We Roglic is good. Um, Geraint, Geraint was very good. Geraint was good. Roglic looked great. Vingegaard amazing. Now, oh, that, was, that was the question I was going to come to, actually, just to round it off in terms of the race, because I'm going to assume most people will have seen, mm. you know. Um, can we anticipate, do you think, a real battle between the two riders who are head and shoulders yes. better than anyone? Yes, else? Think we, can. we can. Absolutely. And is Vingegaard going to push Pogacar close? Yes. He's aggressive. We saw him in 2 last year. We saw him today. I mean, he is, he's got the strength to be aggressive, number yeah. one. Yeah. And he, he does, I mean, he puts... Pogacar on the ropes and, and yeah sorry with that all it takes is for him to because if you don't attack you don't know yeah mm. so mm. he has no idea how um, Pogacar is feeling mm. but what we know is he will attack yeah and it's only going to take one day where and this is what I mean by attacking the, the yellow jersey like if you don't attack you'll never find out yeah and they can't afford to just play this game where they're riding for second and third on the podium yeah, yeah. because it could it could happen on one day where Roglic, uh, sorry, Pogaccia is not feeling great, and he do, he did he does what he did yeah. today, and all of a sudden a gap opens and he's back in the game. You know? And also Pogaccia, the only rider that yeah, he's worried about exactly is Vingegaard. Yeah, Vingegaard lives yeah. in his mind yeah. exactly. Yeah, Vingegaard inhabits his doubt. Yeah, yeah he a does little bit. A little bit. It's like no uh, one else Armstrong does. Ulrich. No one else. A little does. bit. Yeah, exactly. A little bit. Um, and I actually, after watching today, I think UAE have the team to control Roglic if they decide to mm. do an early attack. So I think they've got that covered. But yeah, he's he will be making. I wouldn't say he'll, he'll give uh, Pogac to sleep at night, but he'll be definitely thinking about him. Mm. Probably goes to bed, won't he? Mm. And what's he going to do tomorrow? And how are my legs all this this morning? Yeah. He's mm. so thank yeah. God for Vinegar. Thank God for Jonas Vinegar. Bye. Bye.